Good morning. Welcome to Village Church. Yeah. Thank you all for being here. Uh, y'all look good, and uh, especially you, Chris. Um, and thank you, everybody who's joining us online or who will join us online. Um, first of all, our mission here uh, is to know Jesus, to enjoy him, and to glorify him. And our vision for that is broken people coming together to embrace and extend Jesus' love. Uh, albeit imperfectly, that's what we seek to be about here at this church. So thank you for being a part of that today. Uh, I have just a couple of announcements to share with you before we proceed and worship. Um, first of all, uh, Pastor Alex uh, continues to be on sabbatical. Just please continue to pray for him and his family. It's a blessing for them to be able to, to do that. Um, and it's a blessing for us to be able to lift them up in prayer and support them in that during this time. Um, second, uh, on Wednesdays from seven or at 7 p.m., we continue to have prayer. Uh, you are all invited to come. We, we, there's going to be somebody here at the church building as well as you can join via Zoom. And that link sent out each week uh, in our, our Village Happenings email. Um, so please participate in that if you can. Uh, you don't have to be there the whole time. Just come in and out as you, as you need to. Uh, and then lastly, um, if... If you're interested in, so we have we have several village groups that are going on, and if you're interested in plugging into that, um, and you're not already, um, you can talk to me, um, or you can talk to Amos, uh, or you can send an email to Cynthia at EnterTheVillage.net, and we can seek to get you plugged into one of those village groups. It's basically our a part of our small group ministry. That's uh, a good way to get into community here. Those are all of the announcements that I have. Um, so. I would like to read some words of preparation, and then we'll have a moment or two of silence as we prepare our hearts to go forward in worship. From Luke 4, 8. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Jesus, thank you. Please be at work among us today. Amen. Good morning. If you would, please stand for our call to worship. Good morning to our friends and family on the other side of the screen. Hope all is well with you wherever and whenever you may be viewing this. Our call to worship is taken from the lyrics of the song, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Please join with me where it notes together um, as well as congregation. Great is thy faithfulness, 
Oh God, my Father, there is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever wilt be. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Amen. Please bow for a prayer of praise. God, you are so great. You are so faithful. There are not enough words. Uh, Just not enough words to articulate that. So all of our attempts are so feeble. But we thank you and we praise you anyway. Praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. God, we praise you with all of our souls. And, and our, our desire is to not forget all of your benefits. You who forgive all of our diseases. You heal all of our sins. You redeem our life from the pit and you crown us with love and compassion you satisfy our desires with good things so that our youth is renewed like the eagle for as high as the heavens are above the earth so great is your love for those who fear you and David is so articulate and beautiful and poetic But, Lord, I just want to say thank you. Even on this rainy day, we say thank you that we can stand here with uh, breath in our bodies. God, we thank you. We thank you for that rain. Those are part of your benefits. Those are signs of your, your grace and your love and your caring and compassion toward us, that we are able to be in this space in our right minds. Even if some of us feel feel discouraged or troubled this morning, we are here, we are alive, and that is because of you. Great is your faithfulness. Help us not forget your benefits. Lord, we love you. We praise you. And we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Uh, things we said, we haven't said, things we've done, we haven't done, things we've assumed that we shouldn't have assumed. Let's go to the Lord in confession of sin. Um, let me read Romans 6.13. It says, Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. Let's have a time of silent repentance.
thank you, Jesus, that you do forgive us, that you we are sins as far as east is from the west. Thank you, in Jesus' name, amen. And you'll hear a word of assurance of pardon from Romans 6. It says, but present yourselves to God as those who have been bought, brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. Praise God. Okay, turn to Matthew 18 for our scripture reading this morning. I'm going to pick up on verse 14 from last week and continue through the end of the chapter. So it is not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. If your brother sins, I'm in verse 15, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you. And every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and as a tax collector. Truly I say to you, Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed ten thousand talents, or close to a million dollars. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold, with his wife and children, all that he had, and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. Out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, or about ten dollars. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger the master delivered him to the jailers, and he should pay all his debt, until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. So we're in the reading of God's Word. All right. Join with me now. Prayer of Thanksgiving. Psalm 106, Psalm 136 says, It's good to give thanks to the Lord for His faithfulness, for His good. His mercy endures forever. We've sung that. It's good to give thanks to the Lord. Philippians says to come to the Lord, cast aside your anxieties pray with thanksgiving. So join me in a prayer of thanksgiving this time. Well, thank you.
can meet together this morning in freedom. Thank you that uh, we have a place of safety, uh, a place where we can be with your people to worship uh, together. We praise your holy name. Father, we thank you that you are God. Thank you that we are not God. Thank you that you created everything. The rain, the air, the clouds, the sun, the moon, the things we see and take for granted, Father. Thank you that you created them for our enjoyment, for your glory. Thank you that you redeemed us. You're renewing all creation. Thank you, sent Jesus, to be our sin taker, sin bearer on the cross for our sins. And thank you that you resurrected him to show new life. You're in business redeeming things, renewing things. And thank you that you govern well. Um, nothing, nothing passes without your control, out of your command, Father. And thank you for safety this past week, for the health you give us, for food, for jobs. Uh, just thank you for those things that we take for granted each day. Thank you for each person here today. I thank you for each family, each child, each person that is here to worship you today. I thank you for their presence that can encourage each of us. And Father, please lift up our government leaders. Uh, you said to pray for our leaders. Uh, whether we agree with them or disagree with them, you said to pray for them. If they might have wisdom, they might turn to you for wisdom, Father. Encourage them uh, this day, Father. Help us to uh, submit to them as your word says, and pray for them. And Father, thank you for our school leaders as they uh, battle through the COVID crisis and how to deal with that. Uh, I encourage these teachers and administrators as they seek to, uh, and teachers that teach at home, I pray that you would just guide each of them, Father. Thank you for them as they teach our covenant children. And Father, we thank you for health professionals, uh, for the work they do, have done through this crisis, for their continued work, uh, for those who are suffering today and medical difficulties, I just pray that you would use these health professionals with their wisdom to be part of your being a great physician, Father. You use these people uh, for your glory and our good. And Father, thank you for our public safety people, our police, our fire, uh, our HEMSI people. Encourage them, Father. They're under a lot of duress and strain and stress each day. Um, Father, I just pray that you would guide them and thank you for them as they protect us uh, each day in many things. And Father, I thank you for our, our pastor Alex as he's on sabbatical. I pray that you would just encourage he and his family as they have this time away to reflect, re recover, re refresh, be prepared for a new ministry this coming year. Just encourage them. And Father, I thank you for Amos and for uh, his ordination process moving forward in a good way. I just pray that you'd encourage him this week. Thank you for that process and for um, his faithfulness in that. Father, I thank you for our new elders, our deacons, our deacon assistants, our women shepherds. I just pray that you would encourage them. We thank you for them, for the willingness to step forward to be a part of your ministry here at this village church. And Father, thank you for our nursery, our little kids, um, village kids and our youth ministries for those who have stepped forward to lead those. Thank you for people being willing to um, jump in and help out, encourage, minister here at the Village Church. And Father, I thank you most of all for your word. This loud brings it to today. I just pray that you would encourage us and instruct us for the week ahead. Um, 
the good work you've started on us, you've promised to complete. And Father, we claim that promise for us individually, as families, and as a church. Thank you. That good work you've started, you will finish. And Father, thank you that there's nothing that we face this coming week that ultimately the resurrection will not fix or cure. Thank you, Father, for your goodness, your love for us. Amidst our diversity, amidst our different uh, backgrounds, our different uh, ministries, our different places you've placed us in society, Father, thank you that we can be your witness, your light and salt where you've placed us this coming week. Thank you, in Jesus' name, with thanksgiving. Amen. topic is continuing last uh, Sunday's uh, series on humility and forgiveness out of Matthew 18. Uh, today's focus uh, subject will be 70 times 7 equals forever. Um, first, giving honor to God. Um, thank you for giving honor to God. I appreciate um, there are so many things to be thankful for, as uh, Larry has said uh, and has prayed about. Um, I'm thankful for my uh, beautiful wife and family uh, uh, here today, um, for my mom and siblings who will be watching this virtually. Uh, There's just so many things to be thankful for. I'm, 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 a, I'm a little elated, uh, a little overjoyed with um, excitement. I've, I have just randomly saw two people today that uh, just brought back some sweet memories from um, years past. Um, I'm not trying to put anyone on blast or make anyone feel more special than everyone else, uh, but I'm sure most of the church family that's been here for a while, you guys noticed Pharrell was here today, and uh, it's such a joy to see him behind the key, uh, behind the piano. Oh, yeah, you can go ahead and clap for him. Uh, you guys know he, he went to uh, New York, right, to further his education, and um, and we we've missed you, man. But uh, I also know him because we had a summer together, right? We had a summer during summer camp uh, as when I was directing, where he was one of my counselors for the summer. And man, the, the kids there loved him. He was such a huge impact on those kids. And so many of you all see him as someone that's really talented with uh, the piano, but he is extremely gifted. Um, with loving on people well, especially children. So uh, it was just good to see you today, man. It really is. And I'll, I'll uh, say my uh, salutations afterwards. And then uh, surprise um, to see, um, man, she she said it best. It's been a long time, Miss Candace. Uh, and your husband, Simeon, isn't here, but, uh, right? But, uh, but uh, back from Mississippi, again, met them because of my camp time in Mississippi. And so... Um, they are members, unless everything has changed completely, they're members of uh, a great mentor of mine, uh, Elmer McGowan's church, Redeemer in Jackson, Mississippi. And, uh, again, you're talking about someone talented. Uh, we, we can, if you want to do a solo before I finish the sermon, you, you just come up here and you can sing as much as you want to sing. Uh, but so grateful to see you all. It brings back sweet memories. Um, of course, my beautiful church family, you all do look beautiful collectively. 
and individually and individually, but um, uh, but I'm, I'm sorry, Wes, I have to disagree with uh, who's the most beautiful here today, but we can talk about that later. <laughs> and then, uh, as you already know, Pastor Alex is on sabbatical, and Wesley and Amos uh, will be doing the majority of filling in for him. Uh, so I'm thankful for you two. Uh, so I'm a little nervous, as always. Um, very, very um, hard to be up here most Sundays for me, if not all of them. Uh, it has nothing on doing campfire services for the kids at camp, though, but nevertheless, it is a, it is a, a burdensome joy, as James Massey and Garner C. Taylor would call it, and a sweet torture. Uh, and because of that, I ask you all to pray for me real quick and pray with me. Lord, we thank you. Be with us now as we uh, look at forgiveness. Even now, Lord, you're able to continue to work um, things that are unexpected. You're able to do the things that many may believe you cannot do. And in our hearts, give us a transformation that we are quick and eager to forgive. In Christ's name, amen. Well, we talked about last Sunday uh, humility in the first half of chapter 18 of Matthew. And we also talked about uh, fighting temptations uh, as Jesus teaches uh, in chapter 18. And in chapter 18, Jesus teaches instructions on how believers should live among each other as the church. Uh, This term church is only used twice in the Gospels, both by Jesus. The first time is in chapter 16, where Jesus asks his disciple, who do others say that I am? And they give out a bunch of conspiracies that's been floating around. And then Jesus says, well, who do you say I am? And Peter's response is, you are the Christ, son of the living God. And Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And he looks at him and says, and I say to you that you are rock. You are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail or shall not prevail against it. On this rock, I will build my church. Uh, this word church is the Greek word ekklesia, uh, which means, I guess we can, we can go with the term assembly. Uh, assembly. And it's, it's interesting because this ekklesia, this church, is, it, it, the, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Think about that phrase and the way it's used here. Gates are not weapons when you're off the war, unless you're Samson. But usually, usually, gates are not weapons that you carry off the war. They are defensive structures. And so these gates not prevailing implies that the church of God is on the offense. I appreciate that. These gates not prevailing implies that the church of God is on the offense. And hell, death, Satan, nothing is going to hold the ecclesia back. The idea of the gates of hell not prevailing not only shows that the church will not be stopped, but will thrive in the midst of and in spite of opposition. Thrive. Despite rejection, this church will thrive despite persecution. 
despite martyrdom, the church will thrive. After all, the death of a saint is the seed of the church. The church, the ecclesia, would thrive despite death, would thrive despite fake Christians, would thrive despite real Christians acting fake, would thrive despite wolves dressed in sheep clothing. And the church of God will even thrive despite the church itself not fully obeying Christ's elementary command to simply love one another as I have loved you. This chapter is a sample of a great sermon that Jesus is preaching at this time. Uh, It is not the entire conversation. It is not the entire message. And surely Christ preached this message like most of them, including the Sermon on the Mount, multiple times. And so in this chapter, he emphasized the importance of humility He emphasized the importance of fighting temptations. And in the midst of warning against offending each other, he says to his disciples in in verse 15, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. Forgiveness has one major goal, and that goal is reconciliation. Forgiveness has one major goal, and that goal is reconciliation. And we're Trinitarian. Forgiveness has one major goal, and that goal is reconciliation. If you go tit for tat, then either you both lose or only one person wins. If you try to out-petty each other, then either one wins or you both lose. This is why Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. emphasized peaceful measures to address hate. He taught loving protocols when facing your enemies. Despite being imprisoned, being beaten, being spat on, being denied basic human rights and dignity, the Reverend Doctor asserted, the reason I can't follow the old eye for an eye philosophy is that it ends up leaving everyone with one eye. It ends up leaving everyone blind. Martin Luther King Jr. noted to return hate for hate does nothing but intensify the existence of evil in the universe. And he says someone must have sense enough, religion enough to cut off the chain of hate and evil. And this can only be done through love. He taught the way of violence leads to bitterness in the survivors and brutality in the destroyers. But... But the way of nonviolence leads to redemption and the creation of the beloved community. He says the ultimate end of violence, listen to this, is to defeat the opponent. But the ultimate end of nonviolence is to win the friendship of the opponent. Why? Why does Martin Luther King live this way? It's because... He believed that we must live together as brothers or perish together as fools. Uh, Candace would know John Perkins very well. Dr. John Perkins was born in 1930 to a sharecropping family. And I had the privilege of spending one year under his mentorship, his uh, ministry in Jackson, Mississippi. And when he was 16 years old, 
he saw his older brother, he witnessed his older brother shot and killed by a white police officer. Dr. John Perkins served the military during the Korean War. He moved to California. He came back to Mississippi. And in 1970, he organized a peaceful protest that led to some of the protesters getting arrested. He went to Mendenhall, uh, Mississippi prison or jail to post their bail. And he was beaten close to death by the sheriff and officers who were proud Klansmen. He was stomped on his head several times. He was kicked in his groin several times and even had a fork shoved up his nose. He said during that time he didn't know he was going to live or die, but he told God that if he did live, he did not want any part of the hate that he saw in those people's eyes that day. And so he realized the only choice was to forgive and work towards reconciliation. This led him becoming Friends, best of friends, with a former Klansman, many may know Tommy Terrence, who was at one point named the most dangerous man in Mississippi. How? How does Dr. Perkins forgive and become friends with a man that tried to assassinate black people, tried to bomb black businesses, and has spent years in prison because of his actions? Dr. Perkins says that the things that happened to him, it didn't make me bitter. It drew me to a deeper sense of brotherhood. If you have a problem with someone, go to this person one-on-one, work it out, and if you guys can listen to each other, you receive a brother. You see, you see the illustrations I use, the people I mentioned just, just now, these aren't the people that your celebrity pastor may call your haters. These aren't people that simply talk a little bit about you behind your back or they don't really want to spend a lot of time with you as much as you want to spend with them. These are people that hate you. But here in the passage that Jesus is talking about, we're talking about life amongst believers. That if you have a problem with a fellow believer... You're supposed to try to work it out with this person. You're not supposed to go to someone that can't fix it. You're not supposed to spread bad words about this person. You're supposed to go to them. And the reason is because you're hoping for reconciliation. If they won't listen to you, then you bring in a few people with good sense that aren't biased. And you hope that they can help you guys reach an agreement. And if that doesn't work, Jesus says, take them to the church and I want to be clear because I have a, a, a good friend who uh, this did not go well with. Uh, he confessed his sins to the pastor. He confessed his friends, his sin to friends, and they still brought him in front of the entire congregation and excommunicated him. That is not what Jesus is talking about here. Jesus is talking about individually two or three more people to the elders and leaders of the church, and if that does not work, he assumes, he anticipates that there are even going to be Christians that are so stubborn they won't receive correction or reprimand from their Christian leaders. And if that happens, they should be shunned from the church. But why? Why are they shunned from the church? Why is Jesus implementing this model found 
in Deuteronomy 19, verse 15 through 17, where one person witness or account isn't enough. You need to have at least two people. And if you can't work things out between one-on-one people, bring in elders of the community and their wisdom and their deep questions will help figure out what to do with the situation. Why are we doing all of this? Why can't I just not like Larry? (laughs) Why can't I just give Amos the silent treatment? Why? Church discipline in every situation has the hope of repentance, reconciliation, and restoration. Forgiveness, and whether they receive forgiveness or not, has a hope that eventually our relationship will be restored. That's the hope in every single... Now, if they do not repent, they are shunned. But it is still with the hope of repentance reconciliation, and restoration. Jesus assures those that have to handle these situations that he is in agreement with their decision. He says, again, I say to you, if two or three on earth, uh, I'm sorry, if two or three of you agree on earth about anything, they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. That last phrase is in the context of handling conflict in the church. It's not about, you know, what type of car to get or which house to buy or how much money that the prophet said we was going to get. This last phrase where two or three are gathered, you can ask what you want to in my name, is in the context of handling church discipline. As Jesus gives wisdom on the topic of handling someone that wrongs you, Peter responds with two questions. Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? And as many times as seven times. These are both questions. The first question is wanting to know how many times do Jesus recommend, does Jesus recommend we forgive the same person? Not implying for the same offense. Listen, the Bible does not teach us to forgive and forget. The the Bible does not teach us to be reckless in our forgiveness. That Listen, if someone stole the jewelry out of your bathroom, then yes, it is possible for you to forgive them. In fact, it is commanded for you to forgive them. But it does not say put them back in the bathroom and make sure there's plenty of jewelry again. There are some family members we don't leave alone with other people. There are some people in ministry that cannot work in certain contexts because even though we're as gentle as a dove, forgiving people, humbling ourselves to forgive people, we're wise as serpents. Now, the idea of not forgetting does not suggest that you do not forgive. So the first question is want to know how many times do Jesus recommend? And the second question is a recommendation from Peter that he feels is more than generous. In fact, this is going to, it's going to receive a round of applause from Jesus. How many times do I have to forgive someone? And how about seven times? Now, this number is possibly influenced by the teachings of the Pharisees and religious leaders during that time period. 
the religious leaders taught that you do not have to forgive someone after three times. This is because in Amos chapter 1 and 2, God lists punishments that come after he forgave them three times. You can find the phrase in Amos uh, chapter 1 and chapter 2, you can find the phrase for three transgressions of, and he lists the nation, and for four, I will not revoke the punishment. He says over and over, he says, for three transgressions of Damascus, and for four, I will not revoke the punishment. And he lists what he's going to do. He says, for three transgressions of Gaza, Tyre, of Edom, the Ammonites, uh, Moab, Judah, Israel, for three transgressions, but for the fourth, I will not forgive. So Peter is actually recommending more than twice the amount of the rabbis. This is a pretty high number. Peter is, after all, used to Jesus requiring his followers to go twice as far as their enemies require and expect. You guys know that Jesus teaches that if someone slaps one cheek, you double it up and give them two. If you're required to walk one mile by a Roman soldier, walk two. If someone demands your shirt, give them your jacket as well. So Peter said, instead of three times, how about seven? Seven is the number of completion, after all. On the seventh day, God was finished with, uh, with creation. Uh, God told Noah to get seven pairs of each animal in seven days. I'm going to cause the rain to start coming. The leper Naaman had to bathe in the Jordan River seven times to be healed. Joshua had Israel march around Jericho for seven days and on the seventh day to make seven laps and for the seven priests to blow seven trumpets and for the wall of Jericho to fall down. So I can go on and on. The conclusion is seven's a very good number to go with. Jesus' answer to Peter causes frustration to the Christian. Not seven times. Some translations say, but seven times seven. Some say, but 77 times. And most say 70 times seven. Regardless of the translation, the answer to Peter's question is the same. As many times as it takes. So children, don't, don't, don't listen to me here. In this math problem, seven times seven equals forever. The number 77 equals forever. 70 times seven equals forever. By the power of the Holy Spirit, the believer extends the same grace that was extended to them, and that grace that we receive never runs out. The same God that forgave us with an immeasurable grace is working in us to carry out that same forgiveness. So whether it's the seventh time, the 49th time, the 77th time, or the 490th time, even if it's the millionth time, you continue to forgive. Two questions. Two questions. Why do we forgive? And why do we not forgive? I came across the uh, answer to the latter question on social media a few days ago, posted by Chris. Um, now, I listen to Pastor Alistair Begg a lot, and I love his messages over and over. And he says this concerning forgiveness and unforgiveness. When I fail to forgive someone, it's because I have exaggerated the offense against me, and I have minimized my offense against God. Why? Why? Does the Christian choose not to forgive? 
one of my favorite uh, Christian hip-hop artists, Shubert Rocker, he's a Christian artist, author, and most of all, a friend of DeMarco. He says, he says, we exaggerate, listen to this, he says, we exaggerate our strengths and hide our mistakes, and that makes God's grace cheap. Why do Christians not forgive? Because we forget the debt from which we've been forgiven. This is expressed in the parable that ends the chapter. Uh, We have a man who owed a king 10,000 talents. Uh, Now, this number, 10,000 talents, represents the debt that we have to God and the amount that God has forgiven us. Now, from the best I can get from my studies, in order for us to understand how much, how incredible of a debt this is, we need to understand how much a talent is worth. According to the ESV study notes, a talent was a monetary unit worth about 20 years wages for a laborer. In other words, this man owed 200,000 years worth of labor. If I can break it down a little bit farther, that is 73 million days of work that he owes this man. If this man lived to 70 years of age, it would take him 2,857 lifetimes of working from birth to death. The reality is what? This man has a debt that he could never repay. The master, the king, decides to get what he can from the man, so he orders the man and his wife and children to be sold as well as all that he possesses. The man with the inconceivable debt cries out for mercy. He begs to not receive what he deserves. The king has pity. The king has compassion on the man. And just like that, he wipes the debt clean. What's your response to a debt being erased? What does it mean to you when you hear this, Christ has forgiven you of your sins? If someone was to tell you that while you were going on vacation, they paid one of your bills off. Before you react, you must ask the question, which bill? (laughs) The reason is because the size of the bill that's paid will determine the size of gratitude you display. The water bill will not and does not receive the same reaction as the house mortgage or the student loans being paid off. The amount of debt erased determines the gratitude displayed. And Christians have a hard time responding to God with the appropriate gratitude because many are unaware of how deep they were in sin. Too many believers assume that if it was just their sins, Christ would not need the cross to save them. The reality is, If it was you and you alone that Christ came to save, it would have taken the same beatings, the same whippings, the same nails, and the same tune. I'll never know how much it costs to see my sins 
upon that cross. One day we will know. One day we will fully understand. And on that day, we will be ashamed that we were not so forgiving here on earth. On that day when we see our offenses towards God laid beside the offenses of others to us, we will be embarrassed that we did not love with the love of Christ. The servant, debt, is wiped clean. Seventy-three million days of imprisonment dismissed. He's free. And as he's enjoying his freedom, he sees someone, a fellow servant, that owes him a hundred denarii. One denarius is about one day's worth of labor. This is the equivalent, then, of 100 days of work owed to him. And he demands the man pays him, and the 100 denarii debtor falls down, begs with a speech that should have been reminiscent of the 10,000 talents debtor. If I can summarize or simplify the plea, it was simply, have mercy. Have mercy, please. What will the man that has just received mercy do. He chokes the man and demands he pays him. And after he realizes he's not able to pay him, he sends him to prison for the number of days it would take for him to repay him, 100 days. The master receives word of this cruel, severe, and hypocritical behavior, and with anger, the master locks the man up for the same time he would have taken to pay him back a life sentence. The, the story tells us why we forgive. And it is not, it is not because if we forgive, Christ will forgive us. We forgive because Christ has already forgiven us. God is a God that asks us to behave because of what he has done. He does not require us to act in order for him to act on our behalf. God is not the one expected to respond. We are. Abraham was expected to display faith because God had already prepared a land for him. The Israelites were expected to follow the Ten Commandments because God had already delivered them from Egypt. Romans 12 required of us to present our bodies as living sacrifices because of God's mercies. We forgive not to be forgiven. We forgive because we are forgiven. We forgive because God showed his love for us that while we were still sinners, he died for us. On the cross... Jesus continued to teach the lesson of forgiveness to the point that while he is still hanging on the cross, he forgives the people that put him there. Father, forgive them. We must forgive. It is a command from God. It is not so that we can experience psychological freedom. It is because we can experience freedom from sin. We must forgive. It is a command, and we are to obey God's commands because they protect and help us. Scripture warns us of unforgiveness. 
Not forgiving can cause bitterness in a believer. GotQuestions.org says bitterness is that state of mind that willfully holds on to angry feelings, ready to take offense, able to break out in anger at any moment. The foremost danger in succumbing to bitterness and allowing it to rule our hearts is that it is a spirit that refuses reconciliation. I told you, forgiveness, main goal is reconciliation. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 through 32 says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as Christ forgave you. Why would someone not be willing to forgive? It goes back to the first half of the sermon series and the first half of chapter 18 of Matthew. You are not willing to to humble yourself. I end by quoting lyrics from a song called Bitter from Andy Minio. It says, I'm asking Jesus to keep me from being bitter. No going, on, uh, no going scheming on Twitter, getting mad, and posting it on my statuses. Bitterness can make a heart numb, but hope is like a star. You don't see it shine bright until the dark come. So don't just scoop up the dust. Remove the rug. If I got unforgiveness in my heart, then there really ain't no room for love. Plus, it's stupid because I've been so forgiven that if I hold a grudge, I don't show he's risen. But I know my sins are removed since Jesus came with no reason to forgive me. But he did. So I do the same. I get bitter, kind of cold like the winter. It's so hard for me to forgive. Then I remember that I'm a sinner. And Jesus forgave me and washed away my sins when I didn't deserve it. Then I can forgive him. His power in such amazing love, like when Jesus forgave the ones that pinned him up on the cross as he was hanging from it. Holy Spirit, teach me to be just like the sun, remove the roots of bitterness. Don't stop until your work is done. This process of forgiveness is just that. It's a process. It doesn't happen overnight for some. For people like me, that their main struggle is anger, and, and you are able to hold bitterness in, it is a fight. That is hard to win many times. But it's possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. Every time you overcome that anger, that bitterness, that resentment, and not willing to forgive, every time you overcome that, you once again prove to others that Christ is risen. And for those that have fallen short, for those that that have messed up and forgotten how to forgive sometimes, or in the heat of the moment they don't, there's grace for you. And Christ says, it's not too late. There is new mercies every day waiting for you. Bitterness can cause your heart to the point where you're not willing to forgive anyone. But that's a state of pride that you're in. That's a place of arrogance. Because you assume that you have no need to receive forgiveness yourself. 
So whether it is a father that wasn't there, whether it's a co-worker or a boss that abused their powers, whether it was a teacher that racially discriminated against you, whether it's a friend that backstabbed you and stole something from you, maybe even the love of your life. And then there's some harder things. My seminary professor and mentor my four years at Beeson, Robert, Dr. Robert Smith Jr., lost his son to an armed robber. It was about 20 years before this that he was held at gunpoint at a gas station and lived. And I could be wrong, but I believe it was October 31st. I believe it was 2015. I could be it's not 2015, 2010 or 11, somewhere in that area, not very far from now is what I'm trying to get. A guy robbed a convenience store that his son worked at, or was that, if nothing else. And after he got what he wanted, he still shot him. And Robert Smith Jr., Dr. Robert Smith Jr., writes letters to this guy all the time. At one point, he was the only person writing letters to him while he was in prison. And he has cried to us as he has in public. Not just over his son's death, but over his murderer's state of sinfulness. And he prays for this guy. He lets the guy know he's praying for him with the hope that he will know Christ. And even crazier that one day he will be somehow out of prison and called to ministry, and his hope is that he will go to where he teaches at, and he will go on the scholarship that he has made in the name of his son. That's the heart of reconciliation. That's not easy. That is not easy. The people that forgave the shooter uh, at the church, um, I believe it's Carolina. I, I'm, I'm sorry, my brain's short. South Carolina. And they told the judge, and they told the, the, the guy, the shooter, that they forgave him. That's not easy. And they acknowledged this is only possible because the Holy Spirit is working through us. And we have someone that disagreed with us and we haven't talked to in years. And we have people fighting real battles through the power of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, teach us to be just like the Son. Remove the roots of bitterness. Don't stop until your work is done. Amen? Let's stand for the benediction. Forgive with the forgiveness you have received from Christ. Love with the love you have received from Christ. Show mercy the same mercy that was extended to you. Amen. What's up, man?